The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and delighted to be with you today uh, on what is actually the 201st episode of the show. I can't quite believe uh, the number that we've done now. Um, and we're going to be talking today about crash communication and why pilots fail and managers make mistakes. But before I do that, as I always do, I want to say a big thank you to my guest last week uh, on the 200th uh, show, um, Martin Palethorpe. And Martin talked to me about really about um, in the importance of uh, uh, not making things uh, mean things and realize that uh, we can be very affected by the outside world uh, around our sort of thinking and our, our behavior and our mood uh, and the, really the importance of, uh, of not being so attached and really tapping into your wisdom. Um, a lot of uh, good sort of feedback on that show and people found that uh, quite thought-provoking. So uh, do take a listen. Uh, now, during the interview today, we're going to be exploring the parallels between aviation and corporations and how human failure follows a dialogic. Whether that's a disastrous plane accident or a bank accidentally giving away 320 million, I'm not sure that was euros or pounds, to an insolvent US company. Um, there are really clear parallels between the two and i guess the key there is that you know, it involves people um flying planes as does business involve involves people and my guest today i'm delighted to have on the show he's uh, he's live today from uh, vienna uh, his name is peter brandel he's an international communications expert a professional pilot and a flight instructor from germany He's got over 20 years' experience in consulting and training for executives, uh, teams, salespeople, and flight crews. And besides his consulting business, he's, he's built several companies. He's worked as a sales manager and a CEO. He's spoken at events in over 14 countries on three continents. He's authored multiple, authored multiple books, uh, Crash Communication, which is uh, published in English by Morgan James Publishing New York. Uh, that will be available um, from uh, June and July, but it's currently available in, um, in Kindle format. Um, also, Hudson River, The Art of Making Tough Decisions, uh, which was selected as one of the best career books in Germany. Um, as a commercial pilot, he applies lessons from aviation to today's management challenges. Um, he talks to you know, audiences on... Uh, you know, and takes them on a journey between airliner cockpits and business issues and giving away lots of takeaway tools and things. And I think you're going to find today really, really fascinating, as I have uh, reading his book. Uh, his clients, uh, not surprisingly, include companies like Airbus, but he also does lots of work with companies like Audi and Commerzbank and Bank and Deutsche Bank and Mazda and IBM and Rockwell. So a huge welcome today to uh, Peter Brandel. 
Hi, good to be here. Uh, great, great talking to you, Peter. Now, now, Peter, you're in Vienna today, yeah. and uh, I know that actually you live in Berlin. So, um, well, what are you doing in, in Vienna, and uh, what's it like to live in Berlin? <laughs> so, I had a speech this morning in the, in the Vienna area, close to here. And uh, right now I'm in a hotel room, in a very nice hotel room in uh, Vienna, at the Vienna airport. But Berlin is, I think it's one of the most amazing cities you can live in. Of course, it's one of the, or it's the most amazing cities in, uh, in Germany. But um, it's so new and it redefines itself each and every week. So it's fascinating, it's growing and it's, uh, it's awesome to live there. So if you if you have the chance to visit Berlin, just do it. It's great. Yeah, it's certainly a place that I've been to and really sticks in my mind that, you know, the, I guess, the sort of the, the east and the west and, uh, and the wall and the, the, the history and it's vibrant. And mm -hmm. how, how, how is that, you know, that sort of feel in the, in the city now? It's been, I don't know, how many, was it been 15, 20 years since that, that wall came down? How's yeah, a little bit more actually but uh, you if you don't know the city you do not have an idea what was the former eastern part and what was the former western part you you won't recognize it of course as a german you know what is what yeah but um berlin is so 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 alive and so it changes so rapidly that it's still vibrant and um you have arts you have science and you have many, many young people. So, yeah, it's just a great city to live in. I've not been for, I think it was probably, gosh, maybe maybe 15 years since I, I last went to Berlin. But the thing I did notice was the, you know, in terms of East and West, was that, you know, once you walked out into what would have been East Germany was the, the sort of concrete apartment blocks. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. It seemed very, very, it seemed very Eastern block. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Sometimes you see it, but it it is changing rapidly. So, so you, you're um, you know, you're this speaker who speaks in all of these countries, and you you're an author, mm -hmm. uh, but you also you became a commercial pilot. Uh, you know, how did that happen? What what came first, and <laughs> and uh, why do you combine the two? Well, I always wanted to fly. I wanted to fly since I was a small boy. I was one of these um, small boys standing at the airport fence and watching the planes and with a dislocated jaw and just <laughs> dreaming to be to, to be in the plane. Yeah, but then I trusted a medical examiner for 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 an aviation medical examiner who taught me that I'm that I couldn't become a pilot because I wear glasses, sure. and I trusted him. Um, so and I so so let my dream go and I started something different. I learned a job and I founded my 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 first uh, company. And many years later, this, when I was already all of a sudden thirty years, I recognized what this guy told me was nonsense. So of course I can be I could become a pilot even wearing glasses, and so I did. And I started taking flying lessons and I took more flying lessons. I had made my private pilot lessons. After that, my commercial pilot, my instrument rating, and my airline pilot license. And then I became an airline pilot. That's it. So the first thing was uh, the communication experts. And I'm giving seminars for more than 20 years. And then there came the, the pilot's um, dream. Yeah, and the, mm -hmm. the pilot's occupation. And now I'm talking about what you can learn from pilots combining these two two proficiencies 
Isn't it? Isn't it strange how it, uh, you get to a point in life when suddenly those things start to make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. For, uh, especially if you are, if you are before that point, everything looks weird, and you, I, hopefully, I, I, I wasn't my mother or my father, so I, so I'm, I feel sorry for them when when I look back, but. Often in life, it's when you look back, everything makes sense. Mm. Yeah, but only if you look backwards. Yeah, and uh, we... Unfortunately, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that that does happen at, at that earlier stage, because if you knew that, then maybe you would just, you know, allow yourself to serendipitously do it. But I've always been amazed at how the different components and interests of my life have have kind of welded together to uh, to all all make sense and and fit together now yeah and I, I think we have to we we have to try something so my my flight instructor he always said experience is the sum of all survived mistakes yeah so and if everything in life would be a direct line you you and you wouldn't make any mistakes so how how would you make experiences mm. and i think it's important it's important to try something. It's important to try and to test something and to give yourself the chance to make mistakes. I, I think we live in a world right now where everything has to be perfect. And I think this is, this is real wrong. We have, to, we have to, to allow ourselves to make some mistakes and to try some, some, something. And of course, we have to learn from our mistakes. This is important. Uh, absolutely. But I, I suppose some... Some mistakes can have consequences because you know you've written books about why pilots fail, yeah, and uh, and uh, and managers make mistakes, and yeah. uh, you know there's a lot of mistakes that we can make in life, which are, are you know absolutely you know all part of life's journey, and uh, mm -hmm. we learn from them and we grow from them. Uh, but sort of reading your book, you know, the, you you talk right at the beginning of the book about the worst ever airline disaster, which took. Mm -hmm. Was it five hundred and thirty or so lives? Mm -hmm. um, that those mistakes are really significant, aren't they? Yeah. Um, what what um, made you choose to write that book? Um, the the idea came up um, as a pilot. I I also give seminars for pilot, and this is a topic. It's called CRM crew resource management, and the main topic of this seminar is the human factor in the cockpit. So. Um, you may know that if something happens in aviation, if there's an accident or an incident, then in 90% of all cases, it's the human factor. It's not a technical issue, it's a human factor. And there's pretty good research about this human factor in aviation. And I'm, I'm teaching pilots this, these human factors seminars. And um, I don't know about, don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, I was giving a seminar for pilots. It was, I think, on Friday and Saturday. And on Monday and Tuesday, I had a management training in a huge German bank. And somehow I forgot to switch. Yes, you have to, of course, you have to make sure that you are aware who is sitting in front of you. But somehow, I don't know, maybe I needed some holidays. I forgot to switch. And so I used in this bank management training, I used one example of an aviation crash after the other one so no matter what they ask me it may be a leadership thing or a sales issue whatever they ask me i i used a crash example to explain what i want to talk what i wanted to tell them and after this two-day seminar they came to me and said well peter 
this training was not really what we expected because a, a leadership training with more than 5,000 fatalities we've never had before. But somehow it really, it really worked. So the, 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 the examples, you can transfer the, the examples nearly one-on-one -on -one from aviation into business issues because aircraft are flown by human beings and companies or teams are flown, are operated by human being as, beings as well. And so it, for me, it made per perfectly sense yeah, to combine these two things and to, to do my research, to do my homework and to, to write the book. Yeah, and uh, I guess what the you know, analogy also does is you know, those consequences when they're, they're life and death. We might, not all, we might not always have those in business, uh, but, yeah. but some of the decisions that are made can lead to businesses closing, which impacts lives or lead mm -hmm. to you know thinking about the rbs example yeah. uh yeah. and uh you know the consequences of that which can have you know huge impacts in d different ways yeah and so you're looking at maybe you're, you're looking at your daily business but but you're looking to it from another from a different perspective and if i if i would come from this psychological point of view from this human research at hr point of view usually or often managers can't hear it anymore. They say, okay, stay away with your theories and your nice things and what you suggest to do. You have no idea what our business is all about. But talking in this metaphor, and this metaphor from the, from the aviation, you, it never happens that somebody tells me this may be true, but not for us. Yeah. Mm. So if you if you come with a psychological theory, always they are discussing and whatever. But in this metaphor, I can always say, well, this may not be true for you, but if you would do this in an aircraft, you are going to die. And this is a, this is something they understand. So it works. It's 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 a really great one, and it also takes people. You know, sometimes sometimes talking about business all the time can be a little bit dull, can't it? It's yeah. These conferences and events, it actually takes people into a, you know, a, into a, a space where yeah. they don't know quite so much, but we've all, we can all relate to it. Like having, like having children, most of us have been on air, aircrafts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, can ju you just can imagine what it is. A flying is a sexy business, but also it's not, it's not only a sexy business, but it's combined, yeah, with, with some kinds of fears, yeah? And mm. Nearly everybody has a connection to it and can can transfer it. And it's well, the lessons is so simple. Just to give you an example, I um, today in the morning in my talk, I, I gave this example about decisions. So I said, well, no decision is also a decision, but it has consequences. Yeah, but the, if we don't do a decision, we don't think that the consequences have to do something with our missing decisions. It can't have to do something because we did not do anything. If you transfer this into a cockpit, just imagine two pilots have crashed the aircraft into maybe, maybe, a, maybe a mountain or something. They somehow survived, get off the plane, and they said, well, this crash was really not our fault. It can't be our fault. We, didn't, we, we, we haven't been in the cockpit, so we did do nothing. We even haven't been in the cockpit, so it can't be our fault. You know, this is kind of stupid if you just transfer it into this metaphor and look at it from another point of view. Mm. We've got, just got about three minutes to a commercial break now, but in, in your book, you talk about stress. Yeah. And what, from your experience, happens during extreme stress as a pilot? And 
what are the parallels that you've found between being a pilot under under stress and pressure and uh, being a business person? The main thing under stress is that your thinking doesn't work properly, properly mm. anymore. Your brain doesn't work properly anymore. Or what you think your brain is. To understand this, we have to do a little separation. Our conscious mind, our thinking is the cerebrum. And you don't need to have extreme stress. It's, it's uh, well, even at the low stress level that makes yeah, you can say this is a reprim to disappear because if we are, if we have stress, then our brain switches into a fight, flight, or play dead mode, and this disables our our possibility to think. This this switches our conscious mind into the standby mode, which is not good if you have to to solve a problem. So, um, in every situation where you are under stress. You and, and of course you know this. You experienced this before. You, if you if you think back to any stressy situation, just the moment you left the situation, your brain starts to work again, and you have these ideas what you could have done in the situation. But it's always, yeah, always behind. So it's always after the situation. It's always too late. Yeah. So we're saying you're not in. You're not able to access a productive state to deal yeah. with some of the things that might arise. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to stay productive, you have to train beforehand. If you want to be productive under stress, if you want to 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 solve problems when you need to, then you have to be prepared. Then you need training and you have to prepare yourself but beforehand. Uh, so when you say beforehand, so you, you, we're saying you need to prepare yourself Self for situations when you might be under stress or yeah. prepare yourself to cope so that you're not under stress uh-huh well as pilots we as pilots we go into the simulator we don't go into the simulator because we don't know what we have to do or because we are afraid that something breaks on our next flight but we but we go to, into the simulator just to prepare ourselves and just to train think about the Hudson River landing you may remember um, January two thousand nine uh, this aircraft who, which landed on the, on the Hudson River in New York. When the captain, Captain Sullenberger, was asked what was his secret yeah, to make this thing a success, then he said, preparation. My whole life was a preparation for this very moment. They had only 208 seconds from the moment they lost their engines to the moment they, they, they ditched on the Hudson River. And, yeah, do you really think you can make a plan, do right decisions and, yeah, do your workload within 208 seconds? You have to be prepared. Do. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, we'll start to look at some of the other key components that, um, you know, that link really pilots and managers and their mistakes. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Peter Brandle. We're talking about class communication and why pilots fail and managers make mistakes. Now, uh, Peter, I, I remember reading um, some of the Chialdini book, the book, mm-hmm. book on persuasion and influence. Now, one of the things that, that really stuck out for me in that was the impact of authority figures uh, when yeah. people you know, throw all their trust over to an authority figure. But that can be a major problem, can't it, particularly if people don't speak up. And you know, how do you find, have you found from your research that this situation has shown itself with airlines? And what can we do to help ourselves in business? Um, make sure that we don't make mistakes because we put all of that trust into an authority figure. So if you want, you can you can use one headline for everything. This is situational awareness. Just before the break, we were talking about stress. We were talking about communication and everything. Um, are you really aware of the situation? So authority figures are not a problem if you are aware what they mean or to what they can lead. There's another word for it. It's power distance. I think Malcolm Gladwell used this word at this this phrase at first. I don't know. Mm. But power distance means just imagine you have a a 50 years old male flight captain, 20,000 hours of of experience, 20,000 flying hours. And then we put another person beside him. It's a 22-year female co-pilot. Just, she, she just left, left flight school. So for whom do you think it's easier to, to hold against the other, the other one if he or she thinks what the other one is, do, is doing right now is wrong? Yeah, of course, you have this power distance. And if mm. the authority figure is, yeah, this is, this, I, I prefer power distance because it is 
a better description. If it's too big, then nobody is contradicting you, that nobody is hauling against you. And therefore, you have, you have nothing which may correct you. And now you have to make a decision. The decision you have to make is, am I unfailable? If you say yes, so you don't have to care. But if you think, well, maybe even I may do a mistake, then it makes sense to have somebody who, who rescues you in this certain situation. But therefore, you need staff members who, who, who allow themselves to contradict you, to, to, to discuss with you. Yes. So, so, so you have to be open to the fact that you can make mistakes yeah. and uh, put your ego aside. Exactly. Because, because if, if, yeah, if the authority figure is, is too, too immense or if power distance is too big, there are several crashes, several accidents in aviation with, with a huge number of fatalities where the, the co-pilot and the flight in, engineer, they both knew that something goes wrong in this situation, but they, they, they didn't allow them themselves. They were frightened, they, are, they were afraid to contradict, to say something to their captain. And therefore, we have an aviation, we have a training. As a co-pilot, you are trained to say what you think. There's a captain's decision, as it should be in business. As a business owner or as a as the manager, you have to make the decision on your by yourself. But you have to hear what your what your team members say and what they think. You have to give them a chance to say what they think, say what they see, and say what they feel. Yeah, make, make sort of sense. I guess that was, you know, that, that must have been a, you know, some, a bit of a cultural change for, mm -hmm. for the aviation marketplace, as it is in, in business, really, because uh, certainly, you know, obviously quite a few, and a lot of accidents, a number of accidents have happened, and that has been one of the, one of the factors uh, but the airline pilots that I've met, you know, one or two of them do seem to have quite a, a strong self um, feeling of self uh, competence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, in the, in airlines and yeah, in modern airlines, it is in fact it's a it's a it's a part of the training that that you look at this um, yeah self at, at the picture of yourself. Are you? How big is your self-confidence? And do you think you are infallible? If you think, then you are not a good, not a good pilot. Um, piloting an aircraft is teamwork. There's a captain and there's a co-pilot, but the, the, it's the reason why there are two pilots in the cockpit. Yeah. And yeah, it's the same. We, there are so many people out there who think they are doing it best, but... Why? Why do we think that uh, there that there couldn't be anyone else who may have a better idea than we do? Yeah. So um, we have to use the resources of our of our team members of our staff. That's why it's called crew resource management. And um, we don't have to do what they are telling us, but we have to ask them and we have to give them the chance to speak up. Yeah, I think that's a really important message for for business and businesses and for teams is uh, you know for the the leader to really think about that to be prepared yeah. to realize that they're not infallible 
that actually they're not utilizing or harnessing their team if they're not listening yeah. and 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 questioning and being prepared to adapt. Yeah. Uh, yes. No one's got a monopoly on good ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is nothing about romantic kind of playing. Yeah. It's just business. You are paying one hundred percent, and if you're paying one hundred percent, it makes sense from my point of view. It makes sense to use one hundred percent of the resources you are paying for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therefore, yeah, you have to listen to your people. And if you if you think uh, they are not clever enough to give good advice. Please ask yourself, why did you hire them? Yes. Yes. And ideally, in some instances, you should be hiring people who are better than you at certain things. Yes. For that reason. Yes. Of course. Of course. But it's, yeah, it's again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ego issue. Huh? You, have to, you, have to, to, you have to deal with your ego in this case. Mm. Now, you say in your book that targets uh, can become obsessions. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly seen that in business. Now, what are the risks associated with a target being an obsession? Well, um, the main risk is that you um, that you are losing track, or that you are that everything else uh, falls out of sight. That you only see your target anymore, and you ignore each and every risk. So you want to. You want to arrive in aviation. You want to arrive. You want to do the landing, but if you if you want to force a landing, then you are, you bring yourself into trouble. You yes. get yourself into trouble. So um, in aviation and in, in an aircraft, we are if you if you are doing an, an approach and if you are yeah doing a landing. We are always go-around minded. So we have always the possibility to go around and to, to climb again because this thing, this, thing, this thing is called aircraft and not ground craft or not land craft. And for a good reason. Um, if you, we are always prepared to do a go-around. If it, and if you, if you lose this, this focus, then we concentrate on our target, for example, but we ignore or we don't see anymore all this, what may happen, which is in a conflict to our target and which, which, which is maybe a danger or a, a threat to what we are going to do or to what we want to achieve. Is there, within a, a commercial airline situation, is there... In that sort of situation, is it completely okay? The culture is absolutely fine to go to do a go around uh, because obviously doing a go around has economic consequences in terms of using more fuel, I suspect, yeah. and it's... potentially there may be you know landing space issues and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, is, 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 it, uh, is it allowed to be acceptable? It should be, it should be, absolutely. Um, usually, as far as I know, there are two call-outs which, has to be, which have to be performed. The one is stop-stop and the other one is go-around. Stop-stop or stop is the call-out um, you do during the, the take-off roll. And if you say stop-stop, you apply brakes and you, yeah, just stop the aircraft. Hmm. And go-around, of course, it's during approach when you, when you are performing go-around. Yeah. And these call-outs, and no matter who, who did them, have to be performed. Why? Yes, 
They are expensive. If you perform a go-around at the Boeing 737, it's about, I don't know, three or four or 5,000 euros. Um, but it is much cheaper than a crash. Yes. Of course. And therefore, I don't... In, in aviation, the only thing we don't have usually is time, mm. especially in a, during approach. And we are traveling with a speed of about, yeah, 300 kilometers per hour, 250 to 300 kilometers per hour. And therefore, if something just feels strange, and I don't know exactly why, I call it go around and we perform the go around. And this gives us time to check, to double check if there is a problem. And if there isn't a problem, well, yeah, we lost some money, but... If there is one, we saved our lives. Yeah. And that's all. <laughs> Sorry, I've got going through my mind. I'm just thinking back to a holiday I had with my wife many years ago. It was in, yeah. We went to Costa Rica. And we were in some mangrove swamps in a boat with a guide. And uh, it was extremely hot. And the guide said to me, um, go for a swim. Um, it's mm -hmm. fine. No crocodiles here. And I, and I suddenly just had this... Uh, had this feeling. Normally, I'd have just jumped in. I've swum in the Amazon and things in the in the past, but I I just had this feeling that I shouldn't jump in, and I made the decision not to. And yeah. in that minute, an enormous crocodile slid off the bank and uh, sent a bow wave, and which <laughs> sent our boat off course. <laughs> yeah. And this is, you know, this this gut feeling or this gut decision often it is smiled at, yeah, or people smiling when when you are talking about I had a strange feeling or I did a gut decision, but. This gut decision or this gut feeling, this if you um, you can call it a somatic marker, yeah, from soma from your body, yeah, a marker. Um, this this gut feeling shows you or is an indication for your unconscious re uh, perception. So you may have seen something. Some maybe there was something. Maybe something with the water or maybe you said some you, you saw some grass on the on the on the banks moving in a strange way i don't know this didn't came to your conscious mind but you recognized it on an unconscious level and this unconscious your unconscious mind your unconscious brain can't give you a digital information it can't say there's a syntax error in line 2537 yeah it only can give you a hint in form of a, of a strange feeling. But the thing is, usually in our Western world, we lost the, 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 the possibility, we lost the, the capability to, 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 he, to hear these strange feelings or to, to recognize what our God is telling us. Mm. And um, I think we, we need a culture which is more into this, with, yeah, which, which enables us again to, 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 yeah, to follow our feelings. Sounds a little weird, but um, it should be possible that in a corporate environment, one can say, I have a weird feeling. This doesn't feel right for me. And then we should make a stop or make a go around and, yeah, think, think over it again. Yeah, because how often would uh, people think, actually try and think try and think logically yeah. and let the logic overrule the feeling, which uh, yeah, might might have been fatal. Um, 
So what are the? We've well, just got a few minutes to commercial break. But what are the problems associated? Then you, you, you talk. There's a, obviously a problem when a target becomes a, 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 an obsession. Mm-hmm. But uh, you also say the problems associated with letting your target out of your sight. What did you mean by that? Well, if you if you're letting your target out of your sight, um, then you, then you're losing track. Of course, yeah. Uh, you have to you you have to have targets to reach your destination. If you if you want to achieve something in an aircraft, if you want to travel to a point, or if you want to achieve something in business, then you have to have a goal. You have to have a target. And there's a uh, uh, there's a, a, a small line, a very s- slim line between target fixation and losing track. And you have to you, you have to do both. Yeah, um, if you if you if you if you yeah, if you're losing track, then you waste money, you waste resources, and you may you may waste the resources you need um, to solve the the upcoming problems. Mm. I guess I guess you know the an airline and a, a plane which you know, it has a has a very clear goal, doesn't it? It's, 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 there's great clarity if you're getting on an airplane and it's going from Berlin to Vienna. Yeah, uh, your target is going to be involved with getting to Vienna. Yes, yeah. at a certain time, ideally, and, and yeah. safely. Yeah, it's but, very clear. But in business, sometimes we can lose sight of that. You know, yeah. of, of what we're doing. The things. But how do you want to make good decisions if you don't know where you want to go to? The, for me, the strange thing is if, if I'm talking to, to, to managers or to entrepreneurs, I often have, well, I'm talking about you have to know where you want to go to and you have to have some, some strategy. And sometimes they, they tell me this obviously shows that you have no idea about our problems because if you would have an idea, then you would know that we are happy if you can plan, if you can plan three months in advance. But how do you want to make better decisions? How do you want to make a right decision if you don't know where you want to go to or if you don't know where you have to go to? Mm. This simply doesn't work. Mm. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we're going to talk about uh, things like uh, when responsibilities are, are blurred and, uh, and some of the um, killer phrases that set the tone. Do join us again in just a couple of minutes and... Uh, uh, I'm sure uh, what will come after the break will be um, equally fascinating. Um, thanks very much, and speak to you in a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? 
Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and uh, do go to do do connect with me if I can. Um, if you've got any any feedback on the show, any any types of shows that you'd love to hear, that's really appreciated. And do go to chriscooper.co.uk. Subscribe to the newsletter, and I just let you know about shows that are coming up and links to the past shows and that sort of thing. But in the break, uh, Peter and I were talking about ego, and I was just saying that you know. I, it got me thinking that one of the fundamental things that we often don't um, do within organizations is actually uh, when we're training people and putting them through programs is actually help them to appreciate the importance of letting go of their ego and realizing that uh, you know they're not always right and they need to, to think through with others. So, and Peter, you were starting to make a, a point there uh, during the break. Do you want to share that? Yeah. So usually when we are doing training, it's on, it's only intellectual. Yeah. So we are talking and talking and talking, and we want to have new research and all this kind of stuff. But what we can do with this kind, with, with my kind of approach, or with this meta, met, 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 with this uh, approach within a metaphor, then you have to you have to change your behavior because usually nobody knows too much about aviation. When I'm when I'm when I'm doing a training with managers. Usually, there may be a private pilot, but they don't have a commercial pilot license. So, each and everybody is the same, no matter his yeah his his point in the in the hierarchy. So they don't know anything about the topic, so they have to let go their ego. They have to try and they have to make experiences, and it's okay to make experiences. And the thing is. In, in the corporate world, so often we are concentrated on our ego and nothing against ego. Yeah, it's perfect if you are in the bar. So if you're meeting, if you're meeting uh, in a bar to have a drink, yeah, then it's cool to have cool egos and to tell cool ego stories. But if you have to fly or to land an aircraft in distress, or if you have to lead a company or a team through tough times, then ego is a real bad advisor. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about blurred responsibilities for a minute because mm-hmm. you know, I've seen that being a problem. And I imagine an aircraft, you just can't have this um, yeah. because things can call, fall through the gaps, can't they? Yeah. Um, you know, what what are your lessons around you know, that clarity of of roles and responsibilities? Well, there was one 
yeah, it was a, it, it is a funny example. It's a funny, I think it's funny, an, an incident from a major Western European airline. I don't say which one, but it was a major Western European airline. And it was a Boeing 747, a jumbo jet, and they were approaching Kai Tak, the old Hong Kong airport, the former Hong Kong airport. And the both pilot and the cockpit, they had a difficulty speech with each other during the whole flight. They were arguing and they were discussing and arguing and discussing again. And the, the, the co-pilot, the first officer was the pilot flying. There's, there are always two pilots in the cockpit, but only one is flying, of course. doesn't make sense if the one is steering to the left and the other one is steering to the right. <laughs> but the one is pilot flying and the other one is pilot monitoring. And you change roles. The one is flying towards and the other one is flying backwards. And the uh, first officer was pilot flying. And the captain, because they had their difficulties and they had their arguments during the whole flight, the captain during approach, he, all, he always met, m made some micro-corrections. So... Did he did a little bit of that and a little bit of that, and he always did so this kind of oversteering, overregulating, micromanagement, and they had a real hard landings. This was one of these bumping landings, yeah, and of course they were they weren't too happy about this, but there's one major rule in aviation. If something happened, you have to talk about it afterwards. So you have to discuss it afterwards. And so they did. After, after the landing, they sat together and where they, were, they were talking about everything and sorted it out. And well, yes, they became friends again. And after sorting it out, the captain wanted to make one last point and he said, well, okay, we are friends again, but you have to admit one thing. This was the worst landing you ever did. The co-pilot was astonished and he looked at the captain and said, what? I thought you were landing. I thought you did the landing. So just imagine a Boeing 747 <sighs> landing itself into Kai Tak. Ah. Because both of the pilots were thinking the other one is doing the landing. Oh, my word. Yeah, and think about corporates. Think, think about uh, uh, corporations. How many corporations do you know right now you, will, you, you think, well, there is nobody at the controls? Mm. I, can tell you, I, I can tell you lots of examples right now. And I'm sure you have lots of, of examples in your direct environment. Small businesses, huge companies, where obviously, or it seems as if there would nobody be at the, at the controls. And this is brother's responsibilities. We have to make clear whose job is what, who is going to do what. If we don't do this, how should I trust you? If I don't know what your job is and what I can expect from you, how should I trust you? doesn't make sense no not at all now i know um you have some thoughts as well about when mistakes are covered up and um, we've had a we've had an incredible example over the last yeah. week over here in the united kingdom that 27 years ago mm -hmm. very sadly 96 people died at a football match in hillsborough which uh, liverpool football club were involved in and the authorities blamed the liverpool football fans and uh, uh and basically, the the truth was it was actually the actions of police 
Yeah. And there was a lot of improper reporting by newspapers. It did so much damage. My my father-in-law was actually there and he thought he'd lost his son for several hours that day and he was angry with the cover-up until the day he died. You know, 27 years later, we're learning the lessons from Hillsborough. Um, what are your thoughts about when mistakes become covered up? The thing is, if something happens... If, if an accident occurs, it's horrible. If people die, in this example, 96, I, I think, people died. Mm. It's horrible. But for me, what is even worse is if we are not able to learn from these mistakes. Because, because if we are not able to learn from it, then the people died for nothing. And if you cover up a mistake, you take away the possibility to, to, to learn from it. And this is horrible, I think. If something happens and if, if an accident occurred, at least we have to analyze it and, and we have to learn our lessons. And therefore, we need a, a culture which makes it possible yeah, to talk about mistakes. Everybody's, everybody's talking about learning organization and all this kind of stuff. But how, how could it be possible that you change, that you transform your company into a learning organization? Therefore, you have to make sure that you are able to talk about mistakes. But the thing is, my colleagues, they always, take, they always say, yeah, you have to have a positive failure culture, a positive... Uh, dealing with mistakes, but I think this is stupid because just think about yourself. If I would come to you and say, "Well, Chris, right now we made a mistake and we, we we made a mistake and we screwed up this whole show and you lost fifty thousand pounds in this moment," be happy because think about what you can learn from it. Yeah, yeah, it's nonsense. Um, usually, we want we want to we want to find the guilty one. We want to know who is guilty, who is respons responsible. This is human, but. It is not helpful because um, if you sanction mistakes, then mistakes are going to be covered up. Just imagine, we, we both, we would fly and we, we screwed something. We made a huge mistake. And we know exactly if this mistake is going to be noticed. Yeah? If, if our company learns about our mistake, then we are losing our jobs. This is really horrible for us. And on the, on the other hand, we see the chance to do only a little to cover up this mistake. What, we, what are we going to do? If we have to fear sanctions for our mistakes, then we are going to cover up the mistake. This is what is going to happen. This is human. But if a, a mistake is covered up, then nobody can learn from it. If a mistake happens with an aircraft, maybe a very hard landing with some kind of small structure damages, only minor structure damages. If these damages, if these damages aren't analyzed and if they aren't repaired, then they are becoming bigger. And at one point, they are so big that the uh, the structure becomes weak and the the aircraft crashes. In a corporate world, if we if we don't analyze our mistakes, we are doing the same mistakes again and again and again and again. So we have to build up a culture which makes it possible to learn from mistakes. I, I thought we had a, a, a fast jet former uh, pilot on the show, mm -hmm. Andy Hickson, um, a year or so ago. And it was one of the things I really sort of took away from that with, uh, you know, they were doing maybe sort of maybe sort of bombing campaigns over Iraq mm -hmm. and at the time but she really talked about every single 
mission. They were they put a, a huge amount of time in afterwards to yeah. debrief it. Yeah. Uh, yes, in business that often doesn't happen. Exactly, and but but it is easy to start with it. It is easy to start or to build the the the, the foundation for a for a learning organization because just think about it. Just change a question. Don't ask anymore who did this or how come. Change it into since when do you know? And then you have to do a second thing. You have to make sure there's a sanction for hiding the mistake is much much severe, yeah. much severe than a sanction for the mistake itself. Yeah. Yeah. You have to sanction the hiding of mistake. And this could be one step towards a learning organization. I think that's really, really um, helpful to people to, to think about that, um, sanctioning hiding mistakes. And I think also you know, creating a culture. I love the I love a phrase that came out of um, Stephen M. R. Kobe's book on trust about you know, if something goes wrong, if something goes well, look through the window and give praise. But if something goes badly, look in the mirror. And, you know, we can all look and see how we contributed. But there is a natural, in some organizations, a, a blame culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, I used to remember at Mars, the confectionery company where I worked, they, they, they one factory that carried cards. And it was like, if there's, a, if there's a something goes wrong, um, you, you don't look at whose fault it is. Um, you look at the situation and you decide what you can learn. And it's, it's about the situation and what you can learn as opposed to who's to blame. Exactly, mm. and therefore, therefore, we have to we have to stop sanction the mistake itself. We have to start sanction the hiding of mistake. And the other thing is, you said it, you mentioned it. We have to stop doing or acting as if we wouldn't do any mistakes. Each of us is doing mistakes, and we are going to do mistakes again and again and again. So when I do pilot training, I have a, I have um, an, an exercise. It's something like a like a fire tail exercise. So everybody's sitting around and everybody is telling his or her biggest mistake yeah. from the last 12 months. So you can, each and everybody has to do it. At the, at the beginning, it's kind of tough and kind of weird. But if you start this process, then you see, well, everybody in this room is doing mistakes. So I'm not the only one. So I can trust you because I know what you have done wrong and I can learn from your mistakes and you can learn from mine. And if I know that, if I, if I know that you did mistakes as well, then we are getting into another kind of talking about these mistakes. Peter, we got, I'm going to finish you there, actually. Uh, yeah. I just wonder if you got, before we've got about 30 seconds, um, do you have a final message you want to leave, message you want to leave us with? Yeah, well, um, talk about mistakes, but please... Be courage. Be courageous enough to make survivable mistakes. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Loved it. And full respect to somebody who can speak so articulately in a second language. Yeah, it's not too easy. Not too easy. <laughs> it was great. Really some great uh, takeouts and uh, ideas and thoughts that are really directly transferable into the commercial world. So um, safe journey back to Berlin and thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And a pleasure. And uh, if you want to um, access um, Crash Communication, you can get it on Kindle. It's available online and um, places like Amazon. Uh, in June, July, you can get the physical hard copy. Uh, to find out more about Peter Brandl, that's Peter, B-R-A-N-D-L, 
Com. Go to his website, and if you're English-speaking slash en, you get English. There's a great picture there of Peter standing in front of an aircraft <laughs> and uh, talking. And on next um, week's show, we've got Paul Adamson, and we're going to talk about business and leadership lessons from running the world's most exclusive yachts. Uh, Paul uh, Adamson has um, led um, and uh, run yachts with people like Eddie Jordan, the business tycoon who headhunted him to manage and build his £6 million super yacht, and he captained it around the world, sailing 38,000 miles through five oceans. And he's met some incredible business tycoons. He's going to share some of the lessons that he's experienced from them that we can start to think about if we want to be even more successful within our businesses. So uh, take care, have a wonderful week, and thank you for listening. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.